This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Putin moves on Russia. The West responds with sanctions. What does it mean to the auto industry? We'll take a look a little later in the show. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Let's start with earnings. Stellantis had a good first year. The company says its adjusted operating profit margin rose to 11.8% last year. That's above its target of about 10%. In North America, the adjusted margin topped 16%. Stellantis, which was formed a year ago with the combination of PSA Group and Fiat Chrysler, says the numbers are a result of strong execution on synergies, which generated about $3.6 billion in savings. The automaker's net profit for the year topped $15 billion. UAW members are projected to average almost $15,000 apiece in profit-sharing checks. Turning to retail, Hyundai and Genesis are warning U.S. dealers against aggressive pricing strategies such as markups that push transaction prices way above MSRP. In letters sent to retailers and obtained by Automotive News, the automakers also warn of potential actions they can take against offending dealers, among them reductions in future allocations, advertising benefits, and other incentives. However, both brands acknowledge that retailers have the right to set their own prices. Market adjustments are hardly limited to Hyundai and Genesis. According to an Edmunds report last week, buyers paid above MSRP on a record 82% of all new vehicles in January, compared with just 3% a year earlier. Elsewhere, out in the Atlantic Ocean, there are dozens of Lamborghini vehicles on the cargo ship that caught fire. Lamborghini's U.S. boss, Andrea Baldi, telling our Larry Valaquette that the vehicles are primarily Urus SUVs as well as some Huracans and Aventadors. All of the vehicles have been pre-sold to customers who have already waited up to a year for delivery. The condition of the vehicles on board the cargo ship are still unknown, and the first salvage crews are expected to board the boat as early as today. Continuing on to the other side of the Atlantic, a couple of items out of Germany. Mega supplier Bosch is investing 250 million euros to expand chip production in Germany. The money is on top of the 400 million euros that had already been earmarked for chip production investment this year. The two moves total about $740 million. The extra capacity is set to come online in 2025. Bosch says the move will benefit its customers and help combat the crisis in the semiconductor supply chain. And Tesla, facing another delay at its new factory near Berlin over concerns about groundwater levels. Bloomberg reports that a legal challenge will go to court next week on the issue. Opponents argue that already lowered groundwater levels will not suffice once Tesla ramps up production. Tesla is still waiting for final approval on the factory. The automaker originally wanted to open the plant last July. 
And that's the news you need to know. Russia is facing sanctions over its actions in Ukraine. Which automakers are likely to feel it the most? Peter Segal of Automotive News Europe geeks out after this. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Remember the BRICS? Those emerging economies that were seen as crucial to global economic growth beyond the G7 countries? Other than China, now the world's largest vehicle market, the others, Brazil, India, and yes, Russia, have been kind of a disappointment. GM quit Russia in 2015, Ford mostly got out in 2019, but it's still one of the bigger auto markets, several big companies there. To get a handle on what the current situation might mean for the auto industry, I reached Peter Segal with Automotive News Europe. He's based in Paris. Peter Segal, welcome to Daily Drive. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, Peter, the auto industry, <laughs> we've been covering this industry for a while. It really thrives on stability, uh, which it seems like we're getting uh, less of in uh, Europe and Asia. What is the feeling in Europe now and for the European auto industry? Well, the European auto industry has a fair amount of exposure to the Russian domestic market. And uh, almost every automaker sells there. Some build there, some build what we call semi-knockdown kits there, especially some of the premium automakers. And they're, they're very cautious right now. If sanctions are imposed, uh, we could see significant penalties on, on Russian consumers, but also on companies that need to import parts to build there. Um, and we have some precedent for what happened in the mid-2010s after the first round of Ukraine sanctions, and also in Iran in 2018, when the U.S. reimposed sanctions there, automakers basically pulled out. They said, this is too, too unstable for us. Uh, this is too dangerous for us. So we're out of here. Well, let's dig in a little more on that. What might the form be for sanctions? Obviously, the, the West, the U.S. and NATO partners don't want to get into a, a hot war, into, into gunfighting. But there's been a lot of talk about sanctions. What, what sort of form might those take? Well, if we look at precedent in Iran, especially, it was on companies that do business in in the country under sanctions. So 
in this case, just an example, and, and please, this is just an example, we have Stellantis, which does business in Russia. They have a factory uh, southwest of Moscow. And if they face sanctions in the US, whether it's on their bank accounts, um, whether it's just a penalty, they would probably take a look at that and say, you know, we're not going to do business in Russia. And that's what they said in Iran in 2018. So they're almost like secondary sanctions. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, so who is the most exposed among the automakers? You mentioned Stellantis uh, certainly has operations in Russia. Well, by far the biggest player in Russia is Renault Group. They own uh, Lada, which uh, fans of Russian automobiles might know the Lada Neva, especially Canadians, because there are a lot of them sold there. It's a stubby little 4x4, but, but Lada is the biggest uh, brand in the auto, Russian auto market by far, and Renault has a controlling stake in it. And they also sell a lot of Renault and uh, cars from their, their Nissan Alliance partner there. Altogether, Renault has a 38% share of the Russian auto market, which is a really high share. Um, that's followed by Hyundai Kia, which has about a 22% share. Um, Toyota and VW Group each have about 9 or 10%. Uh, Stellantis has a, a plant there. VW has a, a very large plant there. And BMW and Mercedes have plants there too, although BMW just builds those kits that I'd mentioned earlier. So mostly Renault Group uh, and to a lesser extent Volkswagen and uh, Stellantis that have consequential exposure at this point, at least among um, European European automakers. Yeah. So, of course, Stellantis also includes uh, Ram and Jeep, So it's, but it's not really an American <laughs> automaker. Uh, but the big U.S. automakers, GM and Ford, have both pretty much pulled out of Russia, haven't they? Yes, they did. And they were in there during sort of the high water mark of the Russian auto market when about 3 million vehicles were sold around 2011 or 12. They both had assembly factories around St. Petersburg. Uh, GM around 2015, which I believe was sort of part of an international retrenchment at the time, pulled out. And then Ford ended its passenger car sales there in 2019, although they still build a few transit vans with uh, a local partner, but both of those companies said, you know, this is too volatile for us. We don't we don't see the numbers coming back and we're going to focus on our strengths, which uh, with the domestic market. Yeah, you're absolutely right about uh, GM's broader retrenchment that was in some of the earlier Mary Barra days and uh, when Dan Ammon was still uh, at the company and they really, as opposed to their 20th century uh, mindset, of you know global dominance, uh, GM was like, if we're not making money in the market, if we're not making money in a segment, we're going to pull back. And Russia was one of the first and really symbolic ones because it had been tagged as an important large growth market. Uh, yeah. So it was really a big deal. Yeah, that's correct. Russia did actually see, I think, 10% year over year growth for about a decade. And then volatile volatility in oil prices and the first round of Iran sanctions um, sort of ended that, and really the market's never recovered. It fell from nearly 3 million to 1.5 million, and, and I think last year it was at 1.7 million. So it's, it's not the market it once was, and uh, I think you might see the players who are there now stay there, stick it out, but you probably won't see too many new entrants. Did GM's decision in 2015 uh, come at all out of the U.S. sanctions over Russia's previous actions in Ukraine? 
That, that I'm not sure of, but I suspect it was mostly what you were just saying, which is that Mary Vara had decided that, as you say, you know, unprofitable potential markets was not something that General Motors wanted to be involved in. It's possible that the sanctions were the last straw, but I think the timing, given the timing, it had probably been decided before the sanctions were imposed. Peter, thank you so much. Really appreciate your perspective on this story. Thanks. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get all the news on the global auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making this show part of your daily routine. Now let's get back to work.